0: If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. The lead up to a new school year can be the perfect time to reflect on your practice. So have a listen to this episode of the Early Excellence podcast where we explore reclaiming cultural capital with the fabulous Nikki Turner. Um, this week we chat with Nikki Turner. Now, Nikki is an experienced EYFS leader, and she's currently the earliest lead for the Australia Academy Trust. As part of our conversation, we explore what we mean by cultural capital in the early years, which is a really interesting conversation. So here you go. Here's our podcast chat all about cultural capital. Okay, so here we are at the Early Excellence Centre, which is a bit of a different thing for the for the Early Excellence podcast. In, of course, it is normally recorded online. It's normally recorded on a Zoom call, so it's um, it's great, actually, to be able to talk to you face-to-face. Yeah. And I'm joined by Nikki Turner, um, who works for Australia. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about... About Australia
1: and, and about yes. your role at Australia. Yeah, okay. Yes. So um, I work for uh, Australia Academy Trust. So we are um, a large mat. There's schools mainly in South Yorkshire, so Sheffield, Rotherham, Doncaster. And um, there's also schools in Cambridge, um, but that's secondary schools. So I'm working with the primary schools. There's 18 primary schools in South Yorkshire, and um, I'm working with them to help them to improve their EYFS practice and the overall goal is to improve outcomes for children so they've got better life chances Fantastic,
0: really interesting role you have Really, really interesting really role interesting.
1: So um, yes and our, I've been teaching since um, well I started teaching in the last millennium so. <laughs> so I've been teaching for quite a while 20 odd years um, and I've learnt a lot in that time so it's really great that I can now support all the teachers to develop their practice from yes. everything that kind of i've yeah. learned over my period as yeah. early years teacher and I've always taught in the early
0: years yes I think it's something that I often say is that you couldn't do this sort of role you know like my role supporting teachers and practitioners you mm. can't do it unless you've got that body of experience behind mm. you you know it yeah. really gives you that um, that confidence to be able to do it but also I think people trust what you're saying because you've got yes, that I've experience yes have done
1: it in real you've life you've done
0: it you've made the mistakes you've seen yes. what it's like when it works when it doesn't work and, and everything else in between yeah and you can then hand on heart say well this this is my advice because I know that it works
1: absolutely and And those those things that I know if I was in teaching that would not work yes exactly and I'm only going to advise people on things that I know that that works in the classroom yeah from a practical point of view, yeah, absolutely. Because it is hard being an EYFS teacher. Oh it's hard. Yeah, you've got <laughs> all these you know children that come in with all of these different experiences at different levels, bringing all of these different. And their brains are you know yeah, yeah. very very active. So, um, yeah,
0: yes. challenging but rewarding, Absolutely, without a doubt. It's my favourite year um, group. It is, yeah, all good. Um, so when we were talking about putting the podcast together, mm-hmm. um, we had a call a couple of weeks ago and I said, so we've got the date in the diary, what do you want to talk about? And you said to me, what I'd really like to talk about is cultural capital. And I was was kind of a little bit surprised. I wasn't sure. I wasn't expecting you to say that because in my I'll tell you why. Because in my mind, cultural capital has become associated with Ofsted Mm -hmm. and around a, a kind of almost almost like a kind of a particular phrase. And it feels to me a bit like it's become... Something that you do, or something that you signpost as part of an inspection.
1: Mm, right, okay, yes. so
0: a little bit like um, that sort of British values mm. kind of idea. That mm. you know that that British values becomes a bit of a phrase for Ofsted, mm. and you what you end up with is schools trying to signpost inspectors inspectors to it by having a kind of a display up of kind of um, I don't know, red double decker buses and mm. post boxes and. British things, yes. you know what of mean, in, in, in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was a little bit surprised. And then, we, obviously, once we started to chat about it, mm-hmm. it made perfect sense mm-hmm. in, in that actually we're talking about something much more than actually something that is is kind of just a narrow thing that you might put together as, as a, almost like a box-ticking exercise. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So could we start off by by defining from your point of view what it is that you're meaning by cultural capital yes because it is so that it's not really a kind
1: of thinking yeah. well your perception obviously yeah. my perception of what I did in my my own practice is very different yes um, it comes through like the planning dynamics really so when I was planning um, I followed the four themes mm. um, unique child enabling environment positive relationships learning and development and the cultural capital aspect for me is in that first layer because we're having children and the families Mm. um, that they are from coming into our school and we need to know about them yes we need to know um, what makes them tick what are they all about what experiences do they have? What is coming into my class because I need to know how to best support the child and the family. So for me, the cultural capital is basically about more the culture of the family, the interests of the family, what makes that family unique. And really I wanted to create a place of belonging. So every child feels that they belong in my class, that they can see aspects of them, aspects of their family represented in my environment. Because at the end of the day, we're there for an awfully long time. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. Isn't it? It's like
1: five days a week from sort of like maybe half eight to a quarter past three. (laughs) We're in that environment. So I wanted the children to feel like they belong. So it's that sense of identity, actually. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm where I'm coming from. Yes. Cultural capital. Absolutely. And 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 I think all of the things that you that you're explaining as part of what you would say is cultural capital are absolutely right. No, I. perhaps would would certainly have gone along with exactly the same thing and and did as part of my practice i probably have no, haven't really talked about it as cultural capital mm-hmm. no, i've talked about it as relationships or identity yeah. or or belonging yeah. you know all of those things yeah. all of those words that you've just been using so we're not necessarily. Yeah and i think this and i th- think I, th- yeah. I do think this is important and actually um cultural capital is something that is important. It is something that is has, I think, a lot more depth to it, as, mm-hmm. as you're explaining, than actually kind of just almost sort of doing a sort of surface-level thing. Yeah. Um, it's about actually knowing your... really knowing your children, knowing your families, mm-hmm. having, having those relationships with them mm-hmm. in order that, first of all, well-being is high. Yeah. Because, of course, we know that, you know, young children or anybody really. If, if you're not going to learn, you're not going to develop effectively unless you've got that high level of well-being, unless you feel secure, unless you feel that you belong in some way, unless you feel that you... that The people in this group know you as an individual... These are things that are not just about early years practice. They're actually about being a human being, aren't they? This
1: is is it, it? Yeah, This is the thing about um, in education, that actually we're working with human beings Mm. and we need to understand that human being and how they work and what makes them tick. And I wanted to build connections with these children and the families because I felt that, you know, when you... You meet somebody and you instantly have that connection and then you develop that good relationship with them. That's how I wanted it to be for the children, that they felt like a connection, that we are connected together. Yes. And um, because I felt that if children have got that connection with me and other members of my team, their well-being is going to be higher. Yes. We're going to have better involvement levels. Yeah. So, yes, it's about through understanding the, the children, the families, developing a sense of belonging um, and um, that's, you know, the, the connection, the relationship, which I think is really, really important. And sometimes we can forget about that and, you know, like the unique child element of planning dynamics because we're focusing on learning and development. Yeah. But learning and development maybe is not going to be as good as it could be if you're not looking at the cultural capital, of the children that are coming into your yes. class, because they're coming in with a very wide range of experiences. From from my own experience as a teacher, I've had children that have like grown up on you know grown up on farms. They can ride quad bikes and KTM scrambling bikes, <laughs> and they're, you know doing all like marvelous woodworking. And then there's other children where their only other experience of, of being in the home is going to home bargains. Yes, yeah. So they've got very limited experiences. And we need to understand that.
0: Yeah. And there's a huge difference, isn't there? Massive. And, um, you know, that sort of, that that getting to know what their background is, what their experiences are or aren't, Mm -hmm. provides us with an opportunity to think, well, actually, how do I, how do I, how do I build that into my practice how do i take that interest that fascination and use it as a driver almost for what i want to teach them more of but also if this child hasn't had those experiences what experiences would i want them to have yeah you know what would i want every child to have had the experience of And, and as a starting point you know what have they missed really and that's quite idealistic, I know, but I think it's it's an important starting point to think actually, what does a child need? Because they're not going to get this time again. They're not. This they're is not, what I not, This is it. a short window of yes. time, isn't it? You
1: have one shot yeah. at the EYFS. You're only going to have this year once. Mm. So, the teacher, we need to be really mindful of that. This mm. is the only opportunity for this child. So, as the teacher, I have to do my absolute best pull out all of the stops yeah. to make sure that this year has impact and that the child lives it and feels each day. Yes. Because every day means something. Mm. And yes, it's not even a year, is it? Because no, we're no, not no, no absolutely. It. It's not really.
0: And, and so there are different things here, aren't there, within it. That when a child is fascinated by something, that perhaps, perhaps they see their... The adults around them at home mm-hmm. being engaged in a particular job or occupation. You know, they they might have somebody at home or somebody that, that is a, that is in their family who is a bricklayer, for example. Yeah. And that you've suddenly got this child who has been alongside somebody who is is mm-hmm. building a wall or whatever it might be, or 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 fixing a car or, or whatever it might mm-hmm. happen to be. And this child, because of that experience, knows more Absolutely. about that than the other children will. Yes. And I think it's important to know that first of all, as an adult in the class, but also to be able to to use that information to help that child feel like an expert in it. Mm. So to, for them to, to think, well, actually, I know a lot about this. I'm the, I'm the class expert in mm. this. I can, I can tell other children about this. Yeah. And to remember when we're telling a story or to, when we are doing whatever we happen to do and that subject area comes up fixing cars or whatever it might be we say oh Fred you'll know about this for whoever it might Mm. be you tell tell everybody about Well, that's cool because you'll know about this that's called the engine of the car or that's whatever that might be
1: and we were always looking for opportunities for that where the child can actually become the teacher yeah and the adult is the one that's learning yes and I found very often with um, cause lots of children are actually interested in superheroes yeah and it might be that you think oh I don't want to have superheroes in in class because it involves kind of like fighting and all of this sort of stuff so you kind of veer away from it but actually superheroes can be a really motivating factor for children, lots of children really love them so it's a a, a really valuable kind of like resource to tap into. Yeah, and then it might be that you don't know about all the um, new Marvel characters that are coming out, and the child then teaches you all about it and the powers that they've got and storylines, and yeah, they've got lots of information. And then the child feels good and it gives them that element of control. I think I wanted that as well from um, bringing in sort of like the. Using cultural capital is giving some autonomy yeah. to children yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. that they have control over elements of not everything, but certain things that are happening yes. in provision.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that is a crucial a crucial skill, isn't it? That self control. Mm-hmm. Is a crucial skill. You know whether we're talking about sort of self-regulation skills, mm-hmm. or independent skills, um, even those kind of independent thinking skills of, of, of thinking through. Well, what am I going to do with my time now? Mm-hmm. You know, what what's my idea, and how am I going to do it? Those are all important things, aren't they? They're they important important skills and attributes as part of learning, really. Yeah. Okay, so. So we've got that idea of, of really what we mean by cultural capital, mm-hmm. in and and that why it's important also mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of why why we really need to aim for it as part of our practice definitely. Mm-hmm. What about then? Say if we go right to the, back to the very beginning, kind of before you know these children who are coming into the class. Yeah. Okay, uh, whether that be a nursery or whether that be a reception or what, wherever that might be within the EYFS, really the. If we're talking about children coming into the class and you think, right, I'm going to have, I'm really got to use children's interests, children's prior experiences, I'm going to use that cultural capital, we need to really think about how are we going to get to know that information, don't we, in order to be able to run with it? Yeah. So you've really got to be organised in advance as part of the transition processes in order to get to it, really, haven't you, I think? Yeah. So... What sorts of things would you generally recommend? I know schools and settings do loads of different things about transition. How would you find out the information?
1: So, um, what I've done as a teacher, Mm. the most valuable thing that we did was the home visits.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Because then you could... Parents can talk really openly about themselves, they like to show you things, children like to show you things, their favourite toys, new toys, you know, the new dog, the new cat and all of these different things that they have in their home and um, you're just there, isn't it? Yeah. And you find out that, you know, oh, James is really interested in steam trains and his dad volunteers at the Great Central Railway yeah. and knows how to fix steam trains. So you instantly find out that information. So home visits were really, really valuable yes. and if you are able to do home visits, do them. If you're not currently doing home visits talk to your SLT is this something that you could do I know it takes time yes um, you know and there'll maybe have to be release time but actually it is well worth it because you are building that relationship But well, we did the home visits before the end of the, the school year we, you know the last few weeks of term so we can gather information because we use it to choose um, who were going to be the key persons we looked at how yeah. children connected to us a bit when we're advice. on the home yeah. visits so and to be like oh yeah. actually Mr Rawlings that child connected yes. better with you yeah you, you're going to be their key person yeah, fantastic so really really amazing yes. so if you can do them
0: home visits I think I think I think are well worth doing absolutely. it's interesting in that I often meet people who do do home visits and it, they always say the same things they say well it does take a lot of time mm-hmm. it is it can be really tricky to free up time to be able to do it there is the, the logistics of trying to to um, send out um, times to all of the parents and to hope that they're in and all of you know all of those sorts of things and so it can be tricky but even having said that everybody I've ever spoken to about home visits says even with all of that, they are definitely well worth doing Um, because people will say things like um, even before you even get to that idea of how much I know about those children through it you get to the even on a simple level you remember your children's names better at the start of the year because there's something to hook that Mm. name onto you've got you know you remember oh that's that's Fred, he's got a dog at home, and you know, the dog barked from the, when we came to him to have a yeah. to have a um, home visit or you know you remember remember this child you know they went they crazy about superheroes or whatever it might be you've got a bit more than just a name on the register yeah. to really get to know that child Absolutely. before they come to you so you remember the children you, you more
1: you do and I then think. when like on their first day you can say oh Drew, I came to your house <laughs> and you know I met your new kitten how's Sooty getting on <laughs> and it's just you know because it's that building of the relationship yeah, isn't yeah. it and that you've got that familiarity and it's not so scary coming into like your, your new class It no, can be yeah. a scary experience and for you, children
0: if you get an idea of which children are the confident children and yes. which children are the ones that actually might hide behind the sofa the whole absolutely. time that you're there or, or whatever it might be I will yeah. tell you, I did a home visit once because we used to do home visits I remember once I did a home visit of a, a little boy called Kieran and um, when I knocked on the door, we knocked on the door, and, and he came and answered the door. And uh, he was grinning away, really happy. And uh, and his mum shouted from inside, you know, let them in. And uh, just as we came in, he said, do you want to know a joke? I said, yeah, go on then. And he said, uh, he said did you hear about the man with five legs? I said, no. He said, his trousers fit him like a glove. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> yeah. and I thought, crikey, you know that's pretty impressive, yeah. isn't it? For a child to a remember a joke anyway, because jokes yeah. are not easy, but also to have the confidence to tell somebody you don't really you know you might not find that out on a stage You know, on a you say, oh, I re-, you know, I'll remember you straight. I mean, yeah, this is mm-hmm. years ago now. Yes, and that you're
1: learning but, uh, something about the family there about the sense yeah, of humour. Yeah, absolutely. Really. You,
0: you you've built a. You've already built a bit of a relationship, even within yeah. a short visit. Yes.
1: I what's good about home visits as well is it breaks down barriers between like parents and and teachers yes because sometimes parents might not have had a great experience at school Mm. and so they are feeling nervous fearful distrusting of like school and and teachers but if they can see us in their own home and you know we have nice chats about things and it's more of a kind of on the same level and actually we're on their territory yes yeah yeah it creates
0: a different dynamic parents will often open up more within exactly. their own home environment so mm-hmm. they'll say oh do you know what we've you know, we not been sure about this you know we're, we're finding this quite difficult he's, mm-hmm. he's our he or she our only child and we're finding it quite difficult the idea yeah. that actually they're going to be at school I've, I've been yeah. really enjoying having them at home you know mm-hmm. it could be that it could be all sorts of things yeah, um, and they'll often say something or they'll say something that's concerning them about school um, mm-hmm. or concerning the child more that they might not have said had they been within the the classroom Yes, because other
1: people are there. You know, are yeah. staying play days. But yeah. Other people are around, aren't they? And they might want to tell you something, but really, it's not the. Yeah right yeah. environment so yeah, you, no, you no. never find out what they want to tell you
0: absolutely you know it can be busy can sometimes be too busy so yes. so I certainly think that that helps I, I do think in order to get the most out of a visit like that you've got to be prepared like you say I think to meet them at a kind of on a level playing field mm. you can't go in there with a clipboard you can no. you, you know or an iPad or a, a kind of a list of key questions or yes, you know really over, you've got like to be a coffee
1: morning kind you of que
0: I think so I think Mm. the more low-key you can make it the more you tend to get out of it bizarrely Mm. I know because often usually the more you prepare and the more you kind of take along with things usually you get more out of it but I think with a home visit it's the opposite if you can keep it quite low-key you kind of leave space for the talk Mm. whereas if you go along and you've got a long list of questions and things I want to check it tends to be a bit like I'm checking up on you a bit like a a visitor check
1: yes and, and that it, can that lose confidence Come with parents Yeah, um, there was one home visit I did where um, we went out into the back garden because the child wanted to show us their new trampoline and it was one of those really massive ones so Helen my nursery nurse and me and the child and their stepdad <laughs> we're on the trampoline <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a great time it's awesome. <laughs> but it's so that, yeah. seeing the teacher as well in that more of like a playful um,
0: well it's that was, appreciating that the relationship comes First, yes. doesn't and it? I think, think so, and
1: key. then you can find out about this cultural capital,
0: yeah. You can, it's
1: more open, you can. Um, other ways, um, you know, because there are some schools where we couldn't do the home visits, yes. So we used to send out, um, you know, kind of like an all about me, yeah, but we'd you know like the normal sorts of questions obviously we'd have like the normal sorts of questions about like name, date of birth uh, have you got any siblings name of parent. you know all about the grandparents that sort of thing but we'd also ask have you got a favourite football team yeah, <laughs> who do you support all sorts of things yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's interesting isn't it to, to try to, and find out yeah. more things about the family yeah, no, it's just teasing out that conversation
0: yes
1: yeah. yes yeah. because then if we know that oh right okay we've got some um I'm from Leicester, so I'll say Leicester City yeah. supporters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I can be talking to children about. Yeah. Oh, you know um, Vardy. I saw him score a brilliant goal. And that was an amazing penalty. I might not be interested in football. Yeah. But if I know the child is interested in football, I can strike up conversation. You can have some sort of connection. And maybe you? the child is, you know, shy or confident, doesn't want to speak. But if I'm speaking to the child about Vardy, yeah then they, if that's they their
0: thing, they come yeah, to Absolutely, yeah, mm. absolutely. As, do you know what I think is an interesting thing to consider as well, though, alongside this? I think um, that we've also got to be wary that not all children will have had the same experiences. Mm. So we've got to be careful that actually we don't create a, I suppose... An environment, a learning environment or, or practice that favors the children who have had more experiences. Do you see what I mean? I think that's an easy, it's a very easy thing to fall into, isn't it? A trap to fall into that actually what yes. we end up with is the children who've had more experiences then are no more confident to talk about those experiences mm. and then they benefit more from an approach that is built around Interests and experiences, yeah, whereas if other children who come to school not having, they they perhaps haven't got that no. to start up.
1: Particularly at the moment, with um, you know these children were in the lockdown. Yes. So yeah. looking at places where I was teaching during that period, I taught in a rural setting, so the children were out on farms. Yeah. Having amazing time. <laughs> And then I was in the city, yeah. and the children in the city are locked in flats yeah. with no access to the outdoors.
0: Completely different
1: so, experience Completely of yeah. different experiences, and those children have developed differently yeah. because of those yeah. experiences. So you've got one child that's gonna give you a lot and another child yeah, where yeah. it's gonna find it really difficult to find things out. Yes. Um so with children like that we would set up interactions, but what? it might you have to be you have to be really thoughtful yeah. and really, really careful. Yeah. Because if you go in straight away, yeah. you might sort of like put the child off.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: So it's about being very, very sensitive and these things have to be built up over time. You're not going to know this in like week one of being in school. You've got to build up these um, interactions and relationships slowly, and it might be to begin with, depending, you know, like a child's very shy, they might have um, very limited communication and language skills, that you're observing them, seeing where they go and play in your environment. Are there certain things where they prefer to go and play? going in and just parallel playing if you're in the water they're in the water you're sort of like just copying what they're doing and it's just a very kind of like slowly slowly approach yeah Maybe then you start to talk and add things in yes and then you're looking out for a child that might look at you as you know just you know communication yeah, is yeah, not definitely. just
0: speaking is yeah. it yeah of course so it it's
1: eye contact gestures mm. it might be like noises mm. so we'd be looking out for that and basically to take our time mm. in developing the relationship with the child yeah. and finding out about them and i think you know we're following children's interests yes um, mm. and putting that into provision because that's what we did with the cultural capital of course yeah. so like bringing you james likes trains so let's make sure we've got a book about trains then we've got the flying scotsman book and stuff yes. like that But I do think with some children who have limited experiences that you might have a train set in your class and all they do is play with the train set Mm -hmm. because that's the only experience that they've had. And they feel safe there because they know what to do and then they're never venturing out yeah. into any of your other provision mm. because what they know, what they're familiar with, where they feel safe is here. So then you've got to work with that child. It has to be done, again, really, really carefully mm. of broadening their horizons. Yeah. And this is a bit where it's like learning and development, that we need to give these children experiences because maybe all of my class, they were in, a, in flats during lockdown they haven't been anywhere how do we know that they're going to be a really keen historian if they've never had access to anything to do with history hmm. so then you need to be providing these experiences for them yes because we don't know what they're going to like. Yeah. they don't maybe know
0: absolutely and, and so that's that idea of uh, for the children who you think haven't had any of those experiences we need to be bringing those experiences in to our practice yes. in order that we can then build on it Yes, and Do you know it could be simple couldn't they
1: absolutely could be simple but these children that maybe you know on the surface level, you think, oh, there's not much going on in that family. Mm. But it could be that they're going to the bingo every Friday yes. night. yeah, yeah. You've got to and connect these, in
0: some way. There's yeah. these
1: other things that are happening in yeah. the family that, yeah. you know, they're going down the football and they're going to the bingo and there's all of these, like, social events. Mm. that Actually,
0: yeah.
1: that's really great stuff.
0: Absolutely. We need to yeah. know about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. But
1: we'll find these things out over time. Yes. You're not going to know it.
0: All at once. Yeah, absolutely. And there are certain. I think there are certain routines that you could, that you can put in place as an early years teacher, that are about doing things together, almost like mm-hmm. a, fam- yeah, a family. Yeah, a idea family ideally would do, mm-hmm. but that you're doing it kind of with a, within a, a class group. Yeah, and there's sort of the same belonging. Idea yep. involved, is involved mm-hmm. around it. So, for example, you know, a, a walk to the park that mm-hmm. might happen a, 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 on a regular basis, mm-hmm. not every week, perhaps, but maybe every two or three weeks, that mm-hmm. you go and you go and have a walk to the park and have a, see a different thing together. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might have a group of children who go with an adult to to go and buy the snack on a Friday, yeah, and that actually a, a walk to the local shops and yes. back. Actually could be the sort of thing that, that some children just don't get no, the opportunity not, to not do. Done it. it could be that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, a great big grand gesture. No, just uh, you a, know, really a big trip to the seaside necessarily. Yeah, just it just be be really be a
1: really simple.
0: Simple trip out, mm-hmm. really. Even
1: on, like your school grounds. Yeah. Going around the school grounds. Doing what, stuff, yeah, looking for things, thing, going absolutely. on adventure yeah. together. Yeah. doesn't have to be... Yeah, you don't need to be going to, like, Mablethorpe for the no, day. No, absolutely. Then yeah, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of these, like, yeah, really amazing trips.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Use what you've got, but set it up more like a family that you're going to go and explore together and find out together. Yes. Then yeah. children become interested yeah. in that.
0: Yeah. I think also what you you mentioned to me before was that, that idea of... of not just the children, but the adults in the class, and how yeah. actually, in order to, in order to build that that ethos, I suppose, around mm-hmm. cultural capital and value in the individuals within within this class group, that actually that includes the adults as well, and I think that's yeah. such an important point. That, yes, to we, we need a bit to share more that?
1: lots of our kind of like lives with mm. the children because if we're expecting them to share stuff with us and families mm. to share stuff with us. <laughs> We were quite open with them really yeah, about yeah. our interests. So um, you know that children all knew that I was really loved horses and I got these animals, and they knew that Mrs. broadon was a terrified of spiders. So occasionally they played tricks on her <laughs> with spiders, and they know that Miss Cresswell does yoga. So they know about all awesome yeah we're sharing the experiences and trying to find things that actually we've got in common yes and I remember once there was um, one of our uh, girls her cat had died and so we were having discussion as a, you know like a group mm-hmm. and I said oh you know um, your cat has gone to like the rainbow bridge and we had discussions about where do animals go yes. when they die because it was a Church of England school so you know we learn about like you know going to heaven. And something. So children, might do animals go to heaven when they die? So we talked about the Rainbow Bridge. And then a couple of weeks later, my dog, I had to have Pippin put to sleep. And I was in school the next day and I was upset and um, the children were like oh Miss Tani look a bit upset today Why? Oh, and I had to have Pippin put to sleep yesterday and Beth she's a dog lover and so Beth and me were a bit sort of like tearful and then the girl who had the cat that died mm-hmm. said Miss Tani don't worry because Pippin's at the Rainbow Bridge <laughs> and then we were all just like crying <laughs> but it was that you know that shared yeah. experience yeah. Yeah. that we've we have these animals and we love them and then our animals have Died, and then we're in this like grief, sharing the grief together.
0: But that was actually really lovely. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and what it makes me think of as well is, is that learning is, is built on the, the strength of the relationships, but and also the language, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the conversation, the talk mm. that's happening. And yes. That actually, you've got a really strong foundation for learning there. If you're yeah. building those relationships, and you've got that closeness, and you've got that understanding, and that security within it, yeah. and then alongside that, you've got the talk. So the children know that you that you love horses, for example, and so you can tell them a story about you'll never guess what happened yeah. this morning when I came and to the went to the see the horses. You will never guess. And what you're doing there is is you're you're drawing them in. Because mm. they know they know how much the horses mean to you. to yes, you absolutely. What I mean? so in isolation, just say, "Oh, you'll never guess what happened to me." Mm. Is it might draw them in a bit, but but it might not. Whereas when you've invested something emotional in that, because mm-hmm. you've got that that they've built that relationship with you, yeah. you've absolutely got their attention. Absolutely,
1: and they'd say, "Miss Turner, tell us the story of when." <laughs> You know, because I enjoyed it. And children would tell us their stories. And this is an important bit as well, Andy, about storytelling. Yes. That um, storytelling doesn't have to be from a book. Yeah. And I think sometimes children get put off storytelling because they think it has to be read or it has to be written down. Yes. But if we can um, explore storytelling... Quite um, like traditional kind of you yeah, know yeah, yeah, storytelling yeah, telling a yeah, story and children get confident and yeah. miss turner is telling her story of horses and Broughton's telling the story of like the ginormous spider that she had to phone up someone <laughs> to come and get out of the house because she didn't dare touch it. The love yes. stories. Yes, and, and, and
0: repeating stories is important, isn't Absolutely it? You know, we do that, don't we? we? We say, oh, you know, when we get together with friends that we maybe haven't seen for a while, what we do is we reminisce yeah. we tell that story again. Do you remember when? Yeah. And it's what brings us together a bit, doesn't it? It it brings us together as human beings. Finding
1: that connection. And and it helps
0: us to connect, and it it, it provides a rich context for Mm. learning as well.
1: Yes. Interesting. um Interesting. uh, a boy that I taught the other year who'd got a motorbike, hmm. and then I showed him a video of me riding a motorbike. Yeah. and You it know,
0: then
1: you we had like the discussion. <laughs> like, <no>, I, <laughs> I wasn't going. So I was like, <laughs> how does he ride that bike?" Because <laughs> I was going very, very slow. <laughs> but it was great. We could have like discussions on it, and yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really, um, you know, valuable. Children feel valued. Yeah. But then within the provision how it worked was that there's just snippets yeah. where children are represented so there's a sense of belonging not everywhere and it wasn't that oh children are you know they're interested in darth vader so what we're doing is darth vader all year yeah but there'd be like an element of darth vader in the class yes um but it doesn't take over everything yeah it's just there but it's quite subtle
0: yes they know it's there they know you it's, know it's there. there but maybe not everybody has spotted it because no. they're not interested in they're not interested in it yeah and that's a very good point because it's got to be meaningful hasn't mm. it I think that where this sometimes breaks down is where people will say well I'm following the children's interests and it might be a group of children who are interested mm. in I don't know dinosaurs say yeah. and then suddenly all of the classroom provision has become dinosaur themed yes
1: and you're doing a topic on dinosaurs it's the whole
0: lot yeah. And, and it just becomes incredibly tenuous that mm. corner Corner* somehow has ended up with a dinosaur theme and you well, why? Yeah, everything's just all of dinosaurs. Kind of
1: no, so it wasn't like that. It was just part of, you know, like in continuous provision yes. yeah. or it might be that it becomes like an enhancement but it doesn't take over everything. Yeah. It's very, very subtle and it actually might just be conversational. Yeah. And something about um, what I think is valuable about cultural capital, too, is that in school, you've got to be wary that um, it's instructional. Yes. Everything is instructional with children, whereas we want conversation. So actually using the cultural capital.
0: Yeah
1: enables conversation about what we're doing in our own lives yeah. and yeah. where yeah. we're similar and where we're different and oh we've got you know James is really into the Flying Scotsman so I've got the Flying Scotsman book let's have a
0: conversation about it yes. tell me what you know yeah. Mm. Yeah. it's just within um,
1: provision just and of
0: course at the moment Particularly, I mean that's always been important, but at the moment, particularly at this point, when you think actually so many children are coming into schools mm. not having not having acquired those skills in terms of speech, speech and language, mm-hmm. and communication, um, and that they we really need to get up and running with that, and there's that yeah. real focus on on that. Absolutely. actually, this approach is the perfect yes, way of doing that, like, isn't
1: it? Um, if they've got an interest and they can talk about it, yes. then they're more likely going to be able to write about it. Mm-hmm. So um, the other year when I was teaching at, at Swannington, mm-hmm. there was a, a boy called Charlie. And Charlie does not like writing at all. And he just wants to really be outside, mm-hmm. being physical. He particularly liked construction. And then one day we were just talking about the new Star Wars movies, and he was talking about the Mandalorian. So I said to Bev after school, I said, Right, let's get some Mandalorian stuff for our editor's box, because we had this writing area. It's more than a writing area, it was a publishing area. Okay. So we put um, images. The man, from the Mandalorian movie in there and then in the morning we said to Charlie look what we've got for you and Charlie spent hours in there yeah because we said we don't know anything about the Mandalorian Charlie we haven't got a clue can you teach us about it write it down and we'll read it later and then we were like you know Charlie do you want to go out and play now do you want to go outside he's like no I'm doing another piece about the Mandalorian
0: brilliant yeah and that's and very ta- powerful isn't it yes yeah, so
1: and we tapped into his Interest yeah. and actually, he knew a lot. And when motivated, mm-hmm. he'd got some really good literacy skills. This came from, um, I was lucky enough to um, have training with Helen Bromley. Oh, yes, yeah, and this is going back into sort of like the um, second half of like the noughties. <laughs> so, quite a long time ago, and yeah. um, Helen shared an article called um, We Hear You, Joshua. Yes, and it was about um, a child who had um, poor literacy skills in class and really demotivated, low involvement, not making the progress, teachers worried about, you know, what he's doing. And um, it turns out that once they got to know Joshua, and that in his family, they were all into superheroes. Joshua is particularly into superheroes. And at home, Joshua creates his own comic strips. And when they looked at the comic strips he was creating at home, they're really advanced. Compared to what he was doing in school, and it was because in school they're doing like fairy stories and rewriting fairy stories, and he has no interest, so he has no motivation, doesn't want to do it. Whereas actually, he was really able, but doesn't show his ability at school. Wow! No. But then, yeah. it was like a project that they did it was his TA that did this project with him and then it's like right let's put things out that Joshua is interested in and that's kind of like when I started this editor's box yeah and then we'd have images as soon as we know children are interested in something it's in the editor's box and we had like wallets of different things so there was um some girls where we just heard a conversation about shimmer and shine Mm -hmm. and um Miss Cresswell, who's my uh, nursery nurse, and we were like, what is Shimmer and Shine? We've got no clue. <laughs> Um Children told us about it. It's like, right, let's get some Shimmer and Shine images.
0: What is Shimmer and Shine?
1: They're like superheroes. Oh, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: They're kind of like um, power, do you know like the Powerpuff Girls? Yeah, I think, mean, yeah. Along the same yeah, yeah. sorts of lines, like a yeah. cartoon. Yeah. Superheroes, uh, female. Yeah. Um, So we put that out and they, you've got it, these girls are then writing Shimmer and Shine stories, Yeah. and then we've got The Mandalorian, they're writing Mandalorian (laughs) stories, and and then use it, and then they knew that in phonics, which they didn't really like, you know, but then we talk about, oh, in phonics you're learning these girls, and then you can use them to write about the Mandalorian and then
0: they started to get yeah, it, and they it started gives them to mix. It's meaningful, isn't it? Then? Yeah, then you think, well actually that's why I need to know that skill. Yeah. There's a reason for it. Mm. Whereas if if that part of the day and phonics is a good example, sometimes mm. phonics is just done and then that's mm. it. Yeah. But if phonics if we teach a skill Children, in order to really know it and then embed it, need to know why they need to know it. They need to know that it's a meaningful skill. Mm-hmm. And I think this knowing that idea of knowing what what makes that child tick mm-hmm. means that actually you can say, well, because you'll need to need it for when you're doing your comic book, you'll need it for when you're doing this. Yes. Yeah, all of those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, and it makes yeah. it
1: meaningful for the child and then motivated to do yeah. it. Then and actually then become more motivated in the phonics because they see purpose Absolutely. rather than oh, Miss Turner makes do this lesson for like 20 minutes half an hour and they don't really like it because we want to go and play in the construction area but the cultural capital it wasn't just brought in to um, like the writing to motivate writing but you know we had a woodworking area and there's some children that you know, on the farm, Mm. they're making really elaborate things. Mm. Um, like their own insect homes and bird stands, and one child built a boat with his granddad. And it's like, right, okay, so my woodworking area, I have to be providing some advanced stuff now for these children who actually are very, very able and if I'm just doing like knocking nails in that's holding that child back and yeah. they're not going to be showing their you know true kind of like ability so it's not just for the writing it was kind of like wow. in yeah. all different it's that
0: areas. depth isn't it it's that depth of thinking about all of those experiences yeah. using what you know about the children and using what you know about the materials and resources that you're offering mm-hmm. and linking the two together yes.
1: really. and um, in a family where they were <laughs> real into sports and being fit and healthy mm-hmm. and strong we set up um like with a wheelbarrow and transporting like six tonne of sand wow.
0: to the sand <laughs> yeah. it's meaningful. but it's it? meaningful yeah. and it's
1: all about yeah, yeah. fit and strong and that that yeah, yeah. child then really connected yeah. to that and then you know like you said that that child that then is the expert and you can see the chest all popped out because <laughs> yeah. they are the one that's really strong that Absolutely. can load the sand into the, the trailer yeah. And then, you know, wheel it up the hill because they are so strong. And it just makes them feel great about themselves. And then other children are like, wow, I want to be doing (laughs)
0: that too.
1: I want to be strong. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um,
0: In terms of the, um, what this is, again, so coming back to what it looks like in terms of practice, Mm -hmm. planning is going to be something that people ask about. Okay? Yeah. So, say if. If you're saying, if if we're saying, right, we want to know all of those interests about those children, what makes them tick as a learner, what drives Mm. their learning, how would you, how would you record that in terms of planning? What would you, how would you go about doing that? Have you tried different ways of doing
1: Um, that? Well, yeah, because planning, I was like, we've got all of these things going on in our provision. Mm. How on earth (laughs) is this recorded? And it's fine, you know, because you might... Not need to record yeah, it, absolutely. but yeah. there are some um, settings, schools where you have to hand planning in, yes. or people will ask to see your planning, yes. and it's like, oh my goodness, I've got nowhere written down about. Flying Scotsman, or you know, my woodworking, or you know, um, there was one child that was really into the prodigy. (laughs) 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 When you sound like the Friday Rave and listen to like Chemical Brothers and the prodigy, and all of these things that this child knew about, and his mum and dad, they were you know, like in the 90s, and it was really important for them that music scene (laughs) and it came into our class. Where is that in my planning? I haven't got a clue how to record it, yeah. but um, I asked Helen Bromley. Good question. <laughs> yes, Helen, question. this is what's happening in my classroom. Yeah, yeah. How on earth do I record it? And she told me about the nature needs implications okay. planning grid. That is just the three columns. Yeah. And it's really, really simple. So um, if you're the nature of the child is that they're, you know, really interested in Star Wars or that they're really active and want to be physical, that's their nature. What is it that they need? And so, you know, the child that is interested in Star Wars or Trains or Shimmer and Shine or whatever, they need an adult to show an interest in that. They need resources within the classroom to explore their interests further and become even more expert. That's what we were looking for as well. So get even more experts at Flying Scotsman. We have to, you know, resource our classroom and it's about the adults as well. That's what they need, so what are the implications? Right, I'm putting a Flying Scotsman book in my book area, I'm putting this out in construction, I'm gonna make sure I've got this in my edited box. So it's just seeding, bits in the classroom some like enhancements but it's very very
0: subtle and presumably some of it might be about the adults, so you might say actually it's not it doesn't always make sense that it's a resource it might be that we say right this adult is going to be alongside them yeah making sure they've got that language to go with the interests that they've got absolutely
1: because the best resource in the class is an adult
0: adult, yeah absolutely so yeah
1: it was more about like the adults as well go and we used to um in our kind of timetable map in adults spending time with children Mm -hmm. because there are certain children that are in like your radar and then others that are on like the sidelines and they can get forgotten yes so we made sure that on like the nature needs implications planning that it's like every day adults need to go and spend like 10 minutes with this child because their nature is actually could be um you know language development Mm -hmm. so they need this so the implications are so it wasn't just about like the cultural capital it was kind of like lots of things really yes but it's all of those subtleties that's not on like your weekly planner which is more kind of just continuous provision or project work adult led activities in the EYFS there's all of these different layers to the onion Mm -hmm. that's going on in your environment so Helen sharing that with me was a massive help. That's, yeah. It was, um, to begin with, it's a bit of, you know, it is a bit of work, there's a lot of thought, and then you're writing it down, but actually, the natures of these children didn't really change, and if I look at myself, when I was four, I was obsessed with horses, as a 48 year old I'm still obsessed with horses so yeah. we've got these yeah. like things yeah. in us that we're really interested in so once it was done it wasn't that we were having to write it out all again like weekly or half termly or whatever sometimes we just add bits in the more we knew about the child we're starting to add things in because this kind of like develops over the whole year yes um,
0: and of course what it leads to because you're prepared to really connect with that child and then also extend their thinking or knowledge or skills mm-hmm. around one area, using one area or one interest, that what you get to presumably is, is a real depth there. Mm. I'm trying not to use the word, the term greater depth. You know, that no. get, you know what I mean? That's yes, that, can... that real depth of understanding of, of, of a, an area. Of really being interested in it and going into real depth in it and learning skills around yeah. learning about it. Yes,
1: and then with the editor's box, which is like a publishing zone, yes. yeah. they can then go and make their book, yes. their non-fiction book, all about everything that they've learned about the Flying Scotsman. And they'll hopefully know more information that they from what they knew at the beginning of the year. Because we've done like mini projects on it. Yes, Then these things—it's in that's in the nature needs implications plan. It's like, why is there, you know, like, why is that child learning about the flying Scotsman? Why are they making a papier mache flying Scotsman, you know, engine? Oh, because James needs to explore this, and he's doing a topic on. This is his own project. And it's part of the provision. Yeah. I always remember when um, Harley turned at the school and he's like, bounding in and said, I'm going to make Thor's hammer today. <laughs> because his thing was superheroes. Yeah. But within our provision, we've got the Atelier. Yes. So in the Atelier, there was all the joint modeling. Children were taught how to use papier-mâché. Um, so during the day, that's what he did. He came in with the idea of making Thor's hammer. We're allowing him to follow his interests because we're using cultural capital. We know that it's important for the child, Thor. And now he's going off to yeah. create. And he made this amazing hammer. Yeah. And papier mache it once it was dry, painted it up, and then he made a display and labelled it all up. And there was like a drape on the table. And then he'd got a block-out-a-block block play and positioned it, you know, because we yeah. In our class, we, that's how we display stuff, so he kind of displayed it, yes, how
0: we would yeah. display it, um, and that was it, most yes. of course. But isn't that fantastic <laughs> that through that approach, hes he knows that he can have an idea, yeah, and then come and do it, and be successful with it, and by the end of the day, he can display his own work using a variety of different skills, including mm-hmm. writing, and, and a range of other sorts of physical skills too. Yes. And that's done through him driving it.
1: He's driving it, and at that, I remember the time of the year because we did do we've got continuous provision, but then we also like had projects and then projects within projects. Yes. <laughs> it was complicated. There's lots of layers, yes. and um, our own project was um, it was. Um, we were having Venetian balls. Yeah. So we got we were making the masks and it was Cinderella and we were the, the staff at the palace and we we're going to set up the ball and um, children were learning how to dance and we were watching like, episodes of Strictly and stuff. It was you know, a real good fun project. So that was going on, but within that and learning all about dancing and costume and um, preparation of parties, we've also got... Harley, who can go off and make Thor's hammer, and other children that are going off and doing this and that. And yeah,
0: absolutely lots of layers, fantastic. Andy.
1: It was, it's kind of like you know where you're a swan gliding on the top, but <laughs> underneath there's a lot going on. Loads going on. Around Loads it. going on. Oh, yeah. But what we were looking for was children with high well-being and high involvement, and if we can put things in that class that they can connect to. We're getting the higher involvement. We might not see the high involvement in the phonics lesson or the adult-led literacy, but we're seeing the high involvement writing about the Mandalorian in editor's box.
0: Mm. Nikki, that's powerful, powerful stuff thank you so much for joining us I know people listening uh, wherever they happen to be listening will find that really interesting and really useful to listen to you Um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining us thank you ever so much it's been great to speak to you
1: and you too
0: So there you have it. Thank you very much to Nikki for joining us on this week's episode of the Early Excellence podcast. And also thank you, of course, to you people for listening along as well. Um, that's about it for this week. See you next time, everybody. Have a good week.